Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new monthly edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes today. American Funds Distributors, Inc. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor Q&B. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com. Good morning. It's Monday the 14th of August in London. This is the Bloomberg Daybreak Europe podcast. I'm Stephen Carroll. Coming up today, growth concerns multiply over strains in Chinese sectors from property to shadow banking. Goldman Sachs forecasts a Fed rate cut in the first half of next year. And Mark Zuckerberg tells Elon Musk to stop wasting his time with talk of a possible cage fight. Let's start with a roundup of our top stories. Fears are growing about the health of the Chinese economy with shadow banking, the latest cause for concern. Three firms say that one of China's largest private wealth managers, Zhang Ji, missed payments on multiple high-yield products. Meanwhile, mega-developer Country Garden is also on the brink of default. Bloomberg's China Economy and Government Editor Jill Desis says the latest data paints a grim picture. It's that loan data that was absolutely horrific for China. I mean, the Chinese banks extending the smallest amount of new, uh, monthly loans since 2009. Um, we've had, you know, we've talked to a few analysts about this, had some suggestion that really it's that household data as well. I mean, uh, net household loans were incredibly poor, indicating that a lot of people are spending time repaying their mortgages. I mean, it's just another indicator, along with that really bad deflation data that we had last week, uh, that right now demand is incredibly weak in this economy, and you have to see how that's going to move forward. Jodesis was speaking as other signs emerge that all may not be well. The number of active China-focused hedge funds slipped for the first time since at least 2012. China's slowing recovery, geopolitical tensions with the US and a crackdown on the tech sector have all helped to cool the demand for Chinese assets as losses mount. Goldman Sachs economists expect the Federal Reserve to start cutting rates by the end of June next year. It comes as a growing number of economists say the US may achieve a soft landing and avoid recession. PIMCO co-founder Bill Gross says real yields are starting to bite. We're going to start to see the effect of uh, a 2% real rate on uh, consumers and consumption going forward. Mm -hmm. Therefore, lower real GDP and therefore inflation, in my view, around 3%. Bill Gross, who retired from asset management in 2019, says treasuries are overvalued, putting the fair value of a 10-year yield at 4.5%. He added the widening government deficit will add supply pressure to the bond market. Landlords are leaving the UK rental market at an accelerated rate uh, following a sharp increase in mortgage costs. Analysis of tax data by property firm Savills shows landlords sold 25,000 homes between April and May. That's a near 14% jump on, on the previous month. A separate report from Hamptons International showed landlords who sold properties in the first half of the year made 10% less than last year, while 6% of them sold at a loss. 
The European Central Bank will deliver one final rate hike in September, according to a poll of economists by Bloomberg. The consensus view is that policymakers will vote for one more quarter-point rate rise next month, bringing the benchmark to 4%. The survey then suggests that officials will start cutting borrowing costs in March of next year. That's a month earlier than previously thought. Russia says its navy has opened fire on a cargo ship in the Black Sea, forcing it to stop for inspection. It's the first such reported incident since the grain deal collapsed, showing tensions are running high in the key shipping region. It follows claims from Moscow yesterday that it prevented an attack on the Kerch Bridge linking Crimea to Russia. Ukrainian MP Kira Rudik says she's waiting to hear more details about that from Kyiv's armed forces. We have not received uh, confirmation from our military about if the bridge is damaged and how badly it is. However, I want to remind everyone that the bridge is a valid target for us. Meanwhile, the Washington-based Institute for Study of War said Kyiv's troops made, quote, tactically significant advances on the border between Zaporizhia and Donetsk oblasts. The strikes in Hollywood are threatening Britain's film industry, leaving thousands of jobs in limbo. Bloomberg's Ewan Potts has the details. It's now more than 100 days since the Writers Guild of America and the Screen Actors Guild walked out over pay. Unions in the UK are not striking, but crews working on the many US-backed productions now find themselves with no income at a time of rampant inflation. Pinewood Studios, home to the James Bond franchise, told investors this month that all seven of the major films and shows currently being filmed there are on hold. The situation highlights the close ties between the £12 billion British film and TV industry, which employs 180,000 people and the US media giants. According to the British Film Institute, over the last five years, more than two-thirds of total UK film spending has come from US backing. In London, I'm Ewan Potts, Bloomberg Daybreak Europe. Mark Zuckerberg has accused Elon Musk of not being serious about the pair having a cage fight and says it's time to move on from the saga. Bloomberg's Ed Baxter has the story. The Meta CEO seems seriously up to his neck in disgust, leading to the question, was this ever more than just an Elon Musk trolling expedition? Quote, if Elon ever gets serious about a real date and official event, he knows how to reach me. Otherwise, time to move on. He says he will focus on competing with people who take the sport seriously. Musk has not said much since he reported he had neck issues. Maybe we can just set it up using AI in San Francisco. I'm Ed Baxter, Bloomberg Daybreak Europe. So those are some of our top stories on the programme this morning. Um, caught my eye, though, a story from our colleague Lucy White looking at the push to return workers to the offices here and how that risks undercutting a surge in the hours that women are working here, which is re- reversing one of the positive trends uh, for the economy here in the UK. Now, this is an analysis of official data by Bloomberg showing that women in the UK are putting in more time at work than ever, thanks to hybrid work policies that developed during the pandemic, allowing more flexibility around the time that employees are spending in the office and at home. So that's a positive story for the UK economy. But of course, we know there's been a push from employers to try and get workers to spend more time back in the office, particularly the likes of JP Morgan, Amazon, BlackRock, Goldman Sachs uh, are all trying to limit the options of hybrid work. And there are fears now that this positive trend uh, since 
the pandemic could actually be reversed uh, as a result of this. Tony Wilson, director of the Institute for Employment Studies, one of those quoted in Lucy's story, saying that the increase in women's hours and the drop in men's likely broadly reflects people being able to work more of the hours that they want in a tight labour market. Um, And this, as we've seen, according to ONS data, more women shifting from part-time to full-time work. Uh, So that's one aspect of the hybrid work story that we're following for you today. But I'll also draw your attention to the latest MLive Pulse survey as well, uh, looking at the question of unlimited paid time off. So something that we know that's offered by many tech companies, it's a policy that became particularly popular. Now, this is a story that I think if you read it with the eyes of of someone who sits in Europe will look slightly different, but 64% uh, of more than a thousand respondents to the MLive Pulse survey say that companies that offer the option of unlimited paid time off will do better than the S&P 500. This is something that, for example, Goldman Sachs made waves last year when they announced they would roll out this unlimited paid time off to senior staff there. Only around 8% of US companies actually uh, offer it, uh, but it's interesting to see what the view is about whether that affects the company's stock price as well. Uh, I did dig into the details of the survey, though, and look at how, um, I suppose, employers, how many days people would take if they had the option of paid time off. It's lower than you might think. Uh, The majority saying that they're looking at uh, taking around up to um, 24 days, 21 to 30 days was the most popular option that people selected. Uh, That was 39% of respondents there. So that's the latest MLive Pulse survey. Let's turn back to the latest stories coming out of China this morning. And we're looking at those uh, financial strains that appear to be multiplying. Uh, the latest focus on one of the country's largest private wealth managers, Zhang Ji, uh, missing payments on several high-yield products. We've got Bloomberg's James Mager with us from Beijing for more on this story. James, great to have you with us. This is, as I say, the latest in a string of stories of reports of missed payments in the financial sector. How widespread is this strain and how concerning is it? It seems to be it seems to be growing and it seems to be multiplying across different parts of the financial sector. So, you know, as you mentioned, Zhongzhe and, and Zhongrong, which is a connected, they're both wealth management products, or they both trust companies that provide wealth management sort of uh, investment options for Chinese uh, consumers, and they both have apparently missed payments on investment products that were due uh, last month or early this month. Um, and it seems to be growing concern across the, that industry. You know, this is where people put their money in short or medium term investments in the hope of getting better returns than they would from a bank account. Uh, that uh, you know, more and more of these companies are not going to be able to pay back the money that they've borrowed. Uh, and then you have obviously Country Garden and uh, Sino Ocean, which are two housing developers, which are also struggling to pay back uh, interest rates, interest payments on on bonds. So at the previously it's just been offshore bonds. Uh, Country Garden now has suspended trading in eleven onshore bonds and is struggling to pay back uh, some of the interest that's due on some of those. So you you you're seeing these payment sort of concerns kind of multiplying across the economy in different sectors, uh, as, as I said. And it, it's it's all seems to be coming you know to a head at the moment. Or maybe it's going to get a lot worse though. Yeah, James, just looking at the shares in, in Country Garden this morning, down another 16% uh, in trading in Hong Kong. I mean, how big a concern are these issues for Beijing? Are there any signs of intervention from them on this front? 
I mean, I think the Country Garden one especially is incredibly concerning. Uh, they were the biggest housing developer in, in China um, by a large margin. And uh, you know, the sales apparently fell 60% year on year in, in July because obviously why would you buy a house from a housing developer that you're not sure is going to be around next month, let alone in the two or three years it's going to take them to deliver you a house. So, you know, this is kind of emblematic of the broader slowdown or the broader problems in the housing market. You're still seeing 20, 30% falls in housing sales year on year. Um, you're seeing 20, 30% falls in excavator sales, which is what you need when you want to build new housing you know, construction, you need construction equipment. Uh, and so the big, the big problem, I think, for, for Beijing on this is that the housing sector is just not turning around and is still continuing to, you know, they have this slow motion collapse now we've been seeing for the last two, two and a half years. And that's driving weak demand for houses, but it's also driving weak demand for industrial goods and then also for white goods and things that go into houses. Um, and so this is really damaging for the broader economy as a whole. Then if you start getting into a financial crisis where people are investing money and not being paid that money back uh, in these wealth manager products, that's that's going to make a whole – that's a whole other problem that they, you know, I'm sure that, that, that Beijing didn't really want to have to deal with at this time. Yeah, certainly uh, fascinating to see these days developments on it as well. For now, James Mager in Beijing, thanks very much uh, for joining us with those details. Up next, private equity bets on UK healthcare and London's tourist tax woes. Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new monthly edition of the Capital Ideas podcast. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes today. American Funds Distributors, Inc., From Silicon Valley to Wall Street, the promise and perils of artificial intelligence are playing out on the world stage. But what will the next phase of AI adoption look like? Which companies from big tech to startups will dominate? And where do the risks and unintended consequences lie? I'm Emily Chang. Join me at Bloomberg Tech in San Francisco, May 9th, to answer many of the industry's burning questions. Alongside SNAP's Evan Spiegel, Xbox president Sarah Bond, OpenAI's Brad Lightcap, top researcher Dr. Fei-Fei Li of Stanford, and many more. More details and just a few tickets left at Bloomberg.com slash TechSF. Now, the paper review on Bloomberg Daybreak Europe. The news you need to know from today's papers. And Bloomberg's Leanne Gerrans is with us in studio for the latest on those stories. Leanne, let's start with the Financial Times. The headline there, private equity groups bet on UK healthcare as NHS waiting lists grow. Yes, indeed, Stephen. And this story really highlights the influx of private equity money, showing the growing influence of financial investors in the NHS. And basically, the Financial Times says private equity firms are just buying numerous UK health companies as they seek to cash in on these really long NHS waiting lists that we have. They have bought dozens of healthcare companies, including things like ambulance fleets, eye care clinics and diagnostic businesses over the past two years. And according to the consultancy Lang Busson, private equity firms have struck 150 deals for UK healthcare companies in the last two years alone. That's pretty huge over that short 
short period of time. Now, the private equity industry, Stephen, has really been criticised in the past for its lack of transparency, as well as for pursuing profits over good quality healthcare provision. But the sector is just arguing this now, saying that it's really important they get involved to create extra capacity as the NHS struggles with things like staff shortages. There are 7.6 million patients currently on the waiting list when it comes to the health service at the moment. So this is something that really shows, like I said earlier, what this money is doing in the healthcare system, Mm. providing an opportunity, they argue, to bring down these huge waiting lists. Yeah, and obviously, as you say, the interest of of private equity firms is very interesting to watch, given the pressures on the the NHS and to see what uh, they're obviously seeing a business interest in investing in that sector as well. Um, Another story from the Times that you've picked out, Leanne, tourist tax hits retail spending in London. So, Stephen, this is something that big businesses in the UK have come out and talked about before. This is nothing new, but we get the figures in now, Mm. basically saying what the situation is with this extra tax on people who want to come in and do shopping, foreign buyers, basically. And the government's post-Brexit tourist tax is damaging the retail sector's competitiveness. This is what companies were worried about after the introduction of that 20% tax on overseas spending shops in London. They're really struggling to benefit. And remember, this is after post-COVID, so they were hoping all the travel to the UK would really um, lift retail spending. But instead, people are going to Paris and other European cities to spend all their cash. So Mulberry, the high-end fashion brand, it's closed its store in Bond Street. And they say this is after the tax led to this dramatic drop in footfall and sales. So the new West End company, a lobby group representing businesses in central London, estimates that scrapping the tax could increase treasury receipts by at least £350 million. They've been calling for that. Remember Kwasi Kwarteng in his mini budget, he said he would scrap this 20% tax Mm. once he got his um, deal through, which never actually happened. And then Jeremy Hunt reversed that. This is Bloomberg Daybreak Europe, your morning brief on the stories making news from London to Wall Street and beyond. Look for us on your podcast feed every morning on Apple, Spotify and anywhere you get your podcasts. You can also listen live each morning on London DAB Radio, the Bloomberg Business app and Bloomberg.com. Our flagship New York station is also available on your Amazon Alexa device. Just say, Alexa, play Bloomberg 1130. I'm Stephen Carroll. Join us again tomorrow for all the news you need to start your day right here on Bloomberg Daybreak Europe. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com.